Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Toast Show, episode number 613 for November 11th, 2021. Happy Veterans Day to all those who have served. Welcome to this week's edition of SRTU. We will preview and predict AEW full gear here on this week's edition of the show. I'm one half of the program. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, what is up, my friend? Oh, nothing. Just another beautiful day in the South, uh, living the dream. Uh, trying to think of some other analogies. But I, I couldn't, I, I'm, I'm watching promo videos of stuff from AEW trying to get ready for full gear. And I'm like, hey, I kind of missed this or didn't see this all the way through. Like, stuff, stuff shaping up. I'm like, not a big fan of the card per se, but at least they're, uh, they're trying. I'll give them that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Uh, getting so close to another AEW pay-per-view. I feel like this is the first time in at least recent memory where I felt like meh about an AEW pay-per-view. Like it kind of came up out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it feels like like we went through this phase last year where we where we had all out and then it was full gear, fighter fest, and you know, it was like they had like three in a row, these like little mini pay-per-views it seems like. And you know, they they do a good job when it comes to I guess the all out and, you know, uh, revolution, like when it comes to their bigger pay-per-views, but these smaller ones that kind of pop up out of nowhere, it's like, uh, we really didn't have a storyline for this. It just kind of happened. And now we're getting a match. So, uh, but that's, that's their style. And, uh, it's kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, it's kind of the indie style. Like you get a, you get a big name guy come in for your show, you build up for that one show and then that's the match. And then we never see that guy again for a while. So, uh, it's a little different approach than what we're kind of used to in the uh, modern era of professional wrestling. And we will preview and predict AEW Full Gear towards the end of the show. Um, anything that uh, happened this week that we uh, don't cover, if there's any big news stories, uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. We are uh, pre-recording this uh, well in advance of Thursday right now because uh, we're out. We're out this week. We're, we're unavailable. So we're still putting a show in the can, preview and predicting AEW Full Gear for you, but... 
anything big that happened from Raw, Annex C 2.0, AEW Dynamite, or anything in general this week, unfortunately we will not be covering. But we will fill in the blanks here on this week's edition of the show. And one of those blanks that I've wanted to cover here the last couple of uh, weeks, at least once we hit the month of November, was we are celebrating 25 years of The Rock's debut. Survivor Series 1996 in Madison Square Garden, Rocky Maivia debuted during a Survivor Series match, was the lone survivor in that match. The Shoulder Breaker was his finisher at that point in time, the blue chip prospect. That's what uh, JR was saying over and over and over again. Dr. Trey, 25 years of The Rock. Now, while he has been around pop culture-wise forever now, uh, his time in the professional wrestling ring, for the most part, was... Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to use the phrase cut short, but it was definitely smaller than we would have liked and seen uh, about 1996 to about 2001, 2002. He was a full-time star. Then he went part-time from basically 2002 to 2004, wrestled his last match for some time at WrestleMania 20 when he and Mick Foley took on uh, evolution in a losing effort. He actually wrestled Randy Orton, Ric Flair and Batista at a WrestleMania match, which I think is a WrestleMania match of the rocks that is typically forgotten, uh, would do sporadic appearances, then kind of fell off the face of the earth for seven years in the wrestling ring, made his return in 2011 to host uh, WrestleMania 27, which led to his match with John Cena at WrestleMania 28. And uh, he has not rest- wrestled a formal WWE match uh, since then. He did have a match on record against Eric Rowan at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas, Texas, uh, he's made sporadic appearances over the years. His m- most recent appearance was when SmackDown uh, moved to Fox and was in place in Los Angeles, California. He opened up the show with Becky Lynch and uh, then, at the time, King Baron Corbin. But uh, The Rock, 25 years, Dr. Trey. If it wasn't for Survivor Series 1996, then in 2021, we wouldn't be talking about The Rock as a potential future presidential candidate. Like He's actually addressing these rumors and feelings that um, Americans have. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy, right? The career he's had coming from professional wrestling and becoming, I I think it's safe to say the biggest movie star in the United States right now. Dr. Trey, when you look back 25 years of the rock, what comes to mind? Oh my gosh. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, the, the tagline, the most charismatic, you know, man, uh, in professional wrestling. I mean, it's translated across the board. It's, it's saturated all genres. I mean, the dude just put out a, a, a rap. He was, he was on a rap record like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, the Rock can rap! I didn't know this. I knew he could sing." Um, but you know, he he's transcendent in the sense of I don't know if there's ever been anybody in the history of wrestling that could seamlessly transition from heel to babyface and really not alienate the audience. You know, like you, know, you look at a Piper, look at Macho Man. You know, when they would turn, like, they would pull more, and, and people would then hate them over it. Even when The Rock would go heel, there was still a large uh, population of the fan base that would still cheer him on because he was so entertaining and so witty um, that it was hard to hate the guy. It was hard to really, you know, root against him. Um, but, you know, like, I remember as a, you know, at, at 96, so around 94, 95, I started hearing the name of Flex Kavana. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about him. The internet wasn't around, so you really couldn't get, you know, detailed history on guys where they came from. Uh, and then, you know, finding out, oh, he's the you know, son of Rocky Johnson. No, he's 
uh, the grants of the Peter Maivia. I'm like, okay, well, that's 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 some pretty good lineage there. And then you see him in the hype, and and you know, you go back to Survivor Series '96. That was the most maybe one of the most god awful outfits I've ever seen a man have to wear for his debut. Um, but you know, he was able to. He's one of those guys that kind of took a crap gimmick and you know survived and got through it and moved forward. Um, and later on, you know, came out of his shell, the nation of domination became one of the biggest stars in the world. I mean, the guys got everything you look for in a professional wrestler. Like we've talked about on the show, like you, when you look at a guy, size, speed, strength, look, in ring work, charisma, like he's, he's had that in spades, you know, since early on. And, you know, he, he's one of the, he's now, like I said, the arguably the biggest star in the world and, and, and battling questions about running for president and stuff. And just shows the guy's universally loved. He may be one of the handful of people in the world that you never hear anybody say negative crap about unless you're Vin Diesel. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to pull that off is to be like, just, you know, high, you know, he crosses all races, genres, sex, like he's across the board, just beloved by everybody. So, uh, it's amazing to see how far he's come in the past 25 years. I don't think that there has been, right? I mean, we were very blessed. I, I, I know you and I sound like the uh, the old guys on the porch now when it comes to today's professional wrestling and the ones that when we grew up on, especially in the Attitude Era. But we were, like, truly blessed that we were able to grow up in a period of time where The Rock and Steve Austin, like, boomed at the same time. Like, those are generational talents that happened at the same exact time. Like, the stars truly aligned for that. And I, I've always rock is my favorite wrestler of all time. And I always side with rock. And when you really look at the, like I said before, when you take a step back and you look at his career, it was really not that long at, at all, like not even a decade. And he was, he was gone and went to Hollywood and became a much bigger star. And like across all genres and areas of the world that like people know who Dwayne the rock Johnson is outside of professional wrestling. And it like that 96 to about 98 survivor series when the rock won the WWE championship in the deadly games tournament and turned heel um, after like very shortly, like turning babyface, leaving the nation of domination and then becoming a heel again. Like then it was like just a rocket ship from 98 to Oh one. Like he was on one. Then does the scorpion King comes back, does like the Hollywood rock stuff uh, his match at WrestleMania 18 with Hulk Hogan is one of my favorite matches of all time because it, just entertainment wise and the overall like uh, atmosphere and feelings that went around it was just absolutely incredible. Like you just never thought you would see that. Um, obviously, his wrestling career was like taken to, from us way too soon, but within good reason. We obviously still have the movies. But I don't think, Dr. Trey, that there's anybody who's made an impact quite like The Rock. And that's really, going back to the whole timeline thing, like, really, when you think about, like, Rock and Steve Austin, their popularity and height was really short compared to, like, Cena's run, Randy Orton's current run, Undertaker's overall run, Triple H, and et cetera. But Austin and Rock are two guys that are often talked about as that, uh, you know, favorite debate of Mount Rushmore professional wrestling. But like the overall impact of the rock, I, I was thinking about this last night before we, you know, we're, we're recording today's show. I don't think there's anybody that we've seen in the last 25, 20 to 25 years that is overall uh, as impactful as the rock was right. Like everything the rock said 
was entered in pop culture. The, uh, you know, what is your name? It doesn't matter what your name is. Uh, who in the blue hell are you? Lay in the SmackDown. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? If you smell what the rock is cooking, uh, lay at the SmackDown. Like everything he said turned to gold. And on top of it all off was a phenomenal in-ring worker, which is often forgotten about, like how athletic and, and great of an in-ring worker he was. I think maybe the closest thing on the microphone that we've seen in some time is MJF and AEW. But I, I think even at that point, it's it's more like MJF is playing like a, a turned up rock with a mixture of, of Roddy Piper in there. Uh, there will never like he is one of the most original wrestlers of all time. The Rock, like anybody that you see has similarities like him, will be uh, an imitation of The Rock. The Rock really wasn't imitating anybody; he was being himself, and that's something you don't see nowadays. Doctor Trey is a wrestler literally being themselves connecting with the audience, being very charismatic and being completely over, not only with the wrestling audience, but from the pop culture audience as a whole, like he is a once in a lifetime talent without a doubt. Yeah. Like he, when you look, like you said, like, you know, the JBL thing, like when you're building a sports entertainer from the ground up, you know, you build Randy Orton. That's because the rock wasn't there really for comparison reasons. Cause it's the same thing. Like he has the lineage, he had the looks, he had the in-ring ability, he had the ability of the microphone to entertain a crowd. And, you know, I look at every wrestler I see nowadays is, a you know, to me, a descendant of that time in wrestling. They were either, either awesome fans, rock fans, or Taker fans. And you can kind of see where they get their inspiration from when dealing with it. The difference with those guys, I mean, and Austin started this trend because he was a little bit on the scene before rock of the cool bad guys. The NWO did it, you know, but that was that era where the bad guys started getting cheered more than the good guys did. And it, it, it's rock really took it to a different level because he was so entertaining and because he was so witty that when he's out there cutting promos on it, on the good guys, you're like, man, he could eviscerate this guy verbally, but then you would have to see him kind of tone it down just so the good guy could get the upper hand at the end. And, you know, it's, 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 those those of us that have the ability to cut a good promo, you learn that trick. Like, I can kill this guy on the microphone because he's not as good as me, but I'm the bad guy. I have to let him get the upper hand. And, you know, for a lot of times, Rock you know, Rock would tone it down, but then towards the end, he was just, no, I'm just, if you can't get to my level, I'm just going to run over you on the microphone. So, um, but that, that attitude and that demeanor and that swagger. I mean, when you look at guys today, like your Montez Fords, your Sammy Guevara's, um, you know, even Eddie Guerrero back, I mean, Eddie Guerrero in WCW wasn't a great promo guy, but he got to WWE and started being around the rock a little more and started taking, you know, I, I still, to this day, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but Eddie's swagger started emulating a little bit of the rock swagger. And that's what got Eddie over even more. So, it was just that, that, just that confidence, that swagger, that charisma, the whole nine yards. That's what made everybody love him. Like, it didn't matter if you were a blue-collar guy or you were a finance banker in New York City. Like, everybody loved The Rock. And um, it's carried over for, the, for this many years just because he's never lost that ability. He he's, has the ability to be come off as genuine and down-to-earth, and then he has that ability to turn it up another notch. And you're just like, Damn, I don't know how this guy does it, where he's just relatable to everybody across all all genres. What is your favorite match from The Rock? 
Oh man. Or matches. Uh, matches. I, I, I still love the original uh intercontinental battle with him and Austin. With Austin throwing the, the Intercontinental title into the river and everything else. I, that was that was to me was like that glass ceiling shattering for both those guys. Yeah. So that that whole rivalry right there. Do you remember the um, beeper? The beeper part where he look, looks at the yes. beeper and then his eyes bulge? Yep. I mean, the facial. That was the other thing. People like Everybody knows about the people's eyebrow, but just the eyes, the facials, the expressions. Like, he had that down to a science early on. You know, even going back to that, you know, the Survivor Series match, like, knowing how to to sell what the opponent's throwing at him to, to get that crowd behind him. I mean, and the funny thing is, you go back and look at that match, and, you know, he was in there with the Sultan. <laughs> yeah. Was, you know, it's like, it, it's, that was a good yeah, example of two guys taking kind of crappy gimmicks and then overcoming him, but... Um, that match, those, those, those series of matches were great. Uh, if I sat down and actually went through it and, and dug into it, I could probably come a lot more. Um, but even that, you know, even the match with, uh, the, the match with, with, uh, Mankind, um, uh, oh no, the, the uh, I quit match at Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And then also the empty arena match. Yeah. That was cool. Super Bowl halftime show. Halftime heat. Yeah. Yep. That was, that was great. Cause it's like, you're watching going, it's, now watching it after coming out of the pandemic era, you appreciate that match even more because you're like, man, like these guys are going out there working and they have nothing to go off of whether it's good or bad, you know. And although it was maybe one of the first like kind of cinematic, you know, cinegraphic, cinematic, I can't even pronounce it now, <laughs> but I'm on Tanko. Cinematic, cinematic matches, you know, the early days of those, because you know, obviously the way that that was filmed, they were able to cut it to a degree and, and piece it in, but still. To go out there, work without a crowd, it, taking bumps and not getting that crowd reaction to know if what you're putting together is good. Uh, you know, looking at back at it, this is probably was at 98, 99, somewhere in there. So yeah, it was 98, 98, 99. Yeah, you have it on the head yeah. there. So, I mean, that's, you know, 23 years later, it's like, damn, that was actually really good. And, you know, compared to stuff we were seeing for the pandemic era, it's like, man, that, that was ahead of its time as well. Yeah, it was. It's, um, that was it. It's the golden era of wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, again, making me sound old, but it's true. I mean, it's they were hitting them out of the park. I mean, there were stinkers in there with WWE at, at, at times, but they were really hitting out of the park. I, I loved Rock Hogan, WrestleMania 18. The trilogy with Austin, 15, 17, 19, is some of the best work ever performed at a WrestleMania. Like, we often talk about that 17, 18, 19 WrestleManias were like the best WrestleMania stretch ever in history. Like 17 is considered by a lot of fans to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And it's just so funny because Austin hated his heel turn. Like if you listen to Austin now, he's like, it's the biggest mistake of my career. And he's like, I thought about stunning Vince McMahon uh, in the ring that night and just completely going off course, which would have been insane to begin with. But rock is uh rock is something, man. He he's one of a kind there will never be another entertainer, wrestling talent like him. Uh, often imitated, never duplicated. Uh, he is the greatest. Uh, he's the great one. He's the most electrifying man in all of sports and entertainment today. And he's still doing it, man. Like Austin, he still does his stuff in the wrestling world. But but Rock has been, for the most part, in the public eye, Dr. Trey, for 25 years. And he's beloved, which is hard to do in today's Entertainment like rock is beloved to the point where people legitimately want to see him run for president of the United States. And like, he's addressing it 
in actual interviews now where he's like, I, I don't know the first thing about politics, but it's very flattering to see that people think I would be a good leader. And it's true when we've talked about it here on the show, like it's legitimate. Like this is a guy that you could see leading the country and like hopefully putting things together. But that's a very tough thing to do in today's climate here, at least in the United States. But uh, 25 Years of the Rock, Dr. Trey, debuted in Survivor Series 1996 in MSG. What a run from one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that he, you know, when he's commenting, he's like, I don't know the first thing about politics, but if you actually go watch the show, Young Rock, it's actually built around the idea of him running for president. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just love that contrast. Like, I really don't know anything about it, but I mean, heck, if people talk about it, I'll make a show and fit their stuff in around it. But, you know, he was so ballsy in the sense, like, you know, because you go back to that time and, and Jim Ross said, like, there was there were people in WWE chirping to get rid of him when the Rocky Maya Villa stuff didn't work. Like, oh, he, this kid can't cut it. And, like, you know, we just went through a round of releases, you know, a week ago. Uh, we've had we've seen a bunch of people get released and seen the internet community get an uproar about who they're releasing. It's like, man, you look at some of these guys and you're like, the short-sightedness of it. Like, if you if they had actually released The Rock, you know, and, and would he have gone to WCW? Would, would have Eric Bischoff done something with him? Would he have never done anything and just basically, you know, faded out into into the oblivion, basically? It's just, it's just crazy to think that it took a couple of people standing their ground going, no, this kid's got it. We have to figure out how to get it over and, and to make it work for him. And he, he could carry the ball for us. And luckily for all the wrestling fans and, and now movie fans out there as well, they stuck to their guns and, and, and found a way for The Rock to get his message out there for people to kind of go, yep, this is the guy I'm going to follow for the next 20 years of my life. And, you know, now we're at, now we're at where we're at now. Uh, switching gears, talking about the WWE releases. Uh, according to reports, some WWE releases were due to talents being unvaccinated. This comes to us from Wrestling Inc., uh, Ryan Glassappeal from the New York Post reported that one of the reasons Nia Jax, cousin of The Rock, was released is because she's unvaccinated. The Post cited a source with knowledge of WWE's operations. Andrew Zarian of the Matman Podcast reported that there's a belief within WWE that possibly four of the individuals were released because they have not received the COVID-19 vaccine. Furthermore, at least five of the released wrestlers were, quote, openly unvaccinated, end quote, including some very surprising names, according to Fight Full Select. It was stressed that being unvaccinated was not the exclusive reason for these cuts, and wasn't the reason across the board for the other talent released. It was also said that there had actually been wrestlers in other companies that heard rumblings of vaccinated-related talent comes being in the works in WWE. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that some of the wrestlers released due to the team refusing, refusing, excuse me, released due to them refusing to get vaccinated and not being big enough stars to get away with that. It was noted that while word going around says four or five wrestlers were cut due to their vaccine status, one WWE source said the number was much larger than that. Is known that main roster talents cannot tour foreign countries without being vaccinated, which creates potential issues for the company. WWE currently over in the UK touring uh, this past weekend. The talents who reportedly cut due to their vaccination status reportedly told they were being let go due to budget cuts, not the vaccine. Dr. Trey, we don't like to talk politics here on the show, but uh, this is obviously a political type of situation that has made its way in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, while we have not heard of any type of, quote, vaccine mandate, in world wrestling entertainment. Um, this is the first time we've heard of anybody being potentially reportedly released due to being unvaccinated. Nia Jax did release a statement, um, said she was not aware of it being due to unvaccinated and was told that it was budget cuts. 
What is your stance on this? You and I both now, we are uh, we are vaccinated. Dr. Trey received your vaccination not too long ago. I got my booster shot a couple weeks ago because uh, I'm a first responder and got my vaccine like a year ago now. Um, what's your thoughts here on WWE potentially releasing talents due to not being vaccinated? Oh, it, it, it is a double-edged sword. Um, you know, the Biden administration and, and is, is putting out the, the mandate that's supposed to be starting, I believe, in January that any company with over 100 employees, they all have to be ma- uh, mandated. And we have, we've had that discussion here on the local level of my office because as a company, we have over 100 employees. But in each individual branch, we have like, you know, 8 to 12 people which means you can socially distance enough to where that wouldn't be an issue, but mandate is what it is. Uh, it, it's a weird road to travel. I didn't get vaccinated because everybody else told me to or anything else other than the fact that I had a very close friend of mine pass away from COVID. I saw what the damage to his family was with him passing, and I didn't want to put my family in that situation. Um, other people have done it because that you know they feel like it's the right thing to do. But at the same time, I, I look at it also as a vaccine that does not, you know, stop the transmission, nor does it halt the virus. It just gives you a better chance of survival. Um, so that's where I kind of fall in the middle. I don't think it should be mandated to anybody. I think it should really come down to choice and if you think it's the right choice for you and your family then you take it and if not that's yours because i i can still get covid i can still get sick from covid i can still spread it to anybody else around me but it does make my chances of surviving it much higher which is why i got it um but if you're in the business where you have to do it because the company mandates then it comes down to your personal call like that. That's to me what should be what a, you know, the, the whole hiding behind budget cuts or whatever. Just come out and say it. Like, we're a company that tours. Uh, and if we go to England or we go overseas or we go somewhere else and it has to be, you have to be vaccinated to travel. And now this creates an issue. It's your choice to work there or not. And it's their choice to keep you around or not. So it's a tricky situation. It's very delicate. And, you know, not everybody's going, going to agree with, with my thoughts on it, but. It, just kind of where it lands it's just I, I hate it because i see both sides like i like i said i personally got vaccinated for my family but i don't think it should be mandated to anybody to get this so that's where i land jeff i'm, I'm kind of once again riding the fence well i think with something like this i'm going to agree with you right on riding the fence because uh like i said like dr trey i'm vaccinated as well got the three boosts or three shots in my arm and is what it is I believe in the vaccine. If you're someone that doesn't believe in the vaccine, that's that's totally fine. I'm not going to argue with you because um, it's it's your decision, and I'm with you. I, I'm not a big fan of the mandates uh, per se, where someone needs to be mandated to take a vaccine. Um, I do know from personal experience that the vaccine saved my, my grandmother's life. My grandmother's 100 years old, and she got vaccinated and unfortunately got COVID about seven months after getting the vaccine when it starts to wane a little bit. And she's still here with us today because of that. And it was a couple months ago. And if it was a year prior, she probably wouldn't have made it, unfortunately. So, you know, that's where I kind of stand on the thing. I, I put it in my arm. If you're someone that doesn't feel like putting it in your arm, that's that's your decision. That's it's your it's your health. Um you know, I've done a ton of research. I know this is like a very hot button topic 
in general. And I know it's a hot button topic with like the NFL right now with one of my favorite players and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I've done a ton of research on it and read a lot of stuff, talked to a lot of people who have been involved in the whole vaccine um, process. And they gave me enough information to convince me, you know, over a year ago, or a little less than a year ago to get the vaccine initially. I, I want COVID to be over. Are we ever going to have zero COVID? No. Uh, is it going to be an endemic like a flu? Probably. And therefore, I want to protect myself for it. I get the flu shot. I don't like getting sick. I, I don't know about most people. I don't like getting sick. So uh, I, I get if you're like, well, we don't know the long-term effects, all that stuff. That's great. But I would encourage people, like, listen to what the people say about mRNA. Or the Johnson and Johnson shot. Do your research, and your research needs to be outside of like reading your pals on Facebook, like their posts about it, because that just doesn't make any sense. So, each of their own. If WWE release people for being unvaccinated, um, I don't know. That's that's a bit strange. But to like what Doctor Trey saying, if it hinders your job, and you need to travel overseas, and you're with a bunch of people who are vaccinated, like I don't. I don't think they want to get sick from the unvaccinated. So I don't think we'll ever hear Dr. Trey that WWE actually released these folks because they were vaccinated. Like they're never going to come out and say that per se. I mean, they were saying that it was budget cuts, but you know, there's some interesting smoke to us. And, and even more so, I think it's strange where you're hearing like other talents and other companies were like aware that this may be happening soon because you know, if it's being discussed in WWE, you have to figure it's being discussed in AEW as well. So it's such a hot button topic, and I really wish it wasn't, right? I mean, this is just like everybody's collective health. Like, I really wish that we as a society just kind of came together and go, you know what? Let's try to end COVID together instead of being like, the masks don't work. The vaccines don't work. So for this, it seems like everything doesn't work to someone. Um, it's a It's a fictional disease. It's a fabricated disease. The testing doesn't work. The masks don't work. The vaccine don't work. And then you're like, okay, well, then what works? And they don't have an answer. You're just like, okay, where are you getting this information from? And if somebody says Facebook, you're like, okay, end of discussion. But it's just, I never thought it would enter professional wrestling, Dr. Trey, but I guess it has to when it's affecting, you know, a multi, multi-million dollar company like WWE is. So very interesting. This story dropped like mere minutes after we wrapped up Thursday's recording I never thought we would talk about this on the podcast, to be honest with you. Never thought about it, but I should have. We should have seen this coming. No, because you know, the wrestling as a whole is a mirror of what's going on in society. And, and whether they try to keep politics out of it or not, you know, they are a multi-billion dollar company. And, and that's something that affects, you know, you can't hide from that because it's affecting other multi-billion dollar companies. You know, back in, uh, the preseason of the NFL, the Jaguars got caught up in that because, you know, Urban Meyer came out and said one of the reasons why they cut a player was because they were unvaccinated. And there's, you know, the NFL had at the time had said that you can't cut a player for that. Um, and then, you know, in, in the working world, you know, depending on where you live, like I live in Alabama, Alabama's a right to work state. They can, a company can fire you at any time for any reason. Uh, and there's no repercussions for that. But like with us, our headquarters are in New Jersey, which has a much more uh, pro-worker standpoint uh, than in Alabama. So we, we our HR guidelines are kind of based on what happens in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. Um, 
so it's a really tricky situation. Like my, like I said before, like my thing has always been with the vaccine. It's like it doesn't prevent me from sp- – like if I got COVID tomorrow, I could still spread it to somebody else. Absolutely. Or some, and somebody else could still give it to me. It just lessens my chances of dying from it, which is why I don't understand why there would be a mandate because it doesn't stop the spread or prevent somebody from getting it. It just makes it more likely that you are not going to die from it. Uh, so that's why I'm against the mandate on it uh, and just leave it up to the person's choice. Like if you're an unvaccinated person, that's on you. Like if you get COVID and die from it, that was your decision. You made that choice. You made that call. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, like the polio vaccine prevented you from getting polio. You know, the, the measles shot, you know, typically prevents you from getting measles. This one doesn't prevent you. It just gives you a better chance of surviving. So that's like what you say earlier, like, will COVID ever go away? No, because the flu's never gone away. That's why we have a flu shot. I think the problem with, honestly, I think a lot of the problem with the COVID vaccine is the marketing behind it and calling it a vaccine was more of a Hmm. flu shot type situation where, hey, you can still get it, but you're probably going to be okay if you get the shot. That's That's an interesting point you made there. The word vaccine is always implied it's a cure, and it's not a cure. It's just a preventive measure to... Uh, up your chances of survival just like the flu shot is yeah it's funny i mean it's it's you know the the flu shot is the flu vaccine but when you think about like the wording of it it's more of you know there's a difference between shot and vaccine i that's an interesting point you made there so it's i know it's a hot button topic uh we'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up here on the show but WWE potentially releasing wrestlers for being unvaccinated um so I think you could take a look at that list where it's being reported Nia Jackson. You could figure it out on your own who potentially is unvaccinated based on maybe some of their social media characteristics. I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, maybe like when they're looking at, you know, social media with their former gladiator helmet. Uh, maybe they're making some decisions there reportedly, allegedly. Moving forward here, Dr. Trey, NXT 2.0. Will it ever reach the heights of the 1.0? Or the black and gold era of NXT, because we talked about it on last week's show, that era of NXT, uh, and that was a beautiful era of NXT, and we're seeing this new era right now, and I know there's rumblings that a takeover will be coming. It's possible that it was announced this Tuesday's edition of NXT 2.0, but it's supposed to be happening in early December, and all I could think of was like, I don't think they could sell out Barclays anymore with a takeover, and years ago, that was one of the hardest tickets to ever find. I know that because... Brooklyn one, I couldn't get, and I somehow got Brooklyn two when I went to that show. I don't think NXT could sell out Barclays. I don't think they could sell out uh, any of the major pay per views uh, where Survivor Series is this year. Uh, no, Barclays again. Yeah, I don't think they could do TakeOver the Saturday before Survivor Series. And the black and gold 1.0 era of NXT could. So, will we ever see this current brand of 2.0 reach? reach the heights of that era because we're seeing WWE direct itself more as a developmental again for NXT 2.0. And we're seeing it be directed uh, away from the indie darlings that you and I knew and loved, uh, particularly the Johnny Gargano's, Tommaso Champs, Kyle O'Reilly's of the world. I, I read that Gargano and O'Reilly worked the dark match this past Friday before SmackDown. So maybe they're looking to get those guys out of there and really focus on the Braun Breakers and Von Wagner's of the world. What do you think? Will we ever reach those illustrious heights that we once had for takeovers in NXT 2.0? I mean, I I, I never like saying never, but uh, if if the structure that's in place now 
is the structure they're going to work for for the next five to seven years, then I don't think so. I think what really helped it was that mixing of the indie talents and the younger talents and that contrast where you can see the growth of somebody you know, from the, the bottom of NXT, you know, and then make their way up. You know, you look at, you know, the Sashas and the Baileys when they came in, like, yeah, they were indie wrestlers, but they weren't the indie darlings. They were, they were solid female wrestlers that grew while in NXT. And you watch that evolution, you watch that growth until they got called up to the main roster and they were able to make an impact. Where with some of the older indie guys that they, you know, brought in, it was like they were already kind of established. Everybody kind of knew who they were. They got to the NXT and, and the crowd kind of you know popped for it. Uh, with the the track that they're on now, where they're like, hey, we're going to focus on all these young guys that we're bringing in, that we're training ourselves, that we're branding ourselves. I don't see that ever reaching those heights again. Plus, the fact that they're actually going back to calling it a, a developmental brand instead of survivor series from two years ago where it was looked at as a third and equal brand uh i just i just don't see it happening that way and then to me honestly the color schemes also don't relate to to me being taken seriously i look at them like it's it's very brats you know it kind of feels like it's a very 90s you know color collage type thing it just doesn't seem forceful and impactful and I'm sure we'll get some talents that that are groomed to go to the main roster out of it, and, and we'll be appreciative of, of watching that trek. But you know, I don't think there. You, you know, when we would see a Bobby Roode in the crowd, or we see you know Finn Balor in the crowd, or one of those guys in the crowd, you're like, oh crap! It increased the anticipation. I, I don't know if they're going to have like, oh my gosh, that's Vaughn. if they had said, oh my god, that's Von Wagner in the crowd. Half the other went, huh? Who? You know, like we, it just doesn't translate right. So uh, I think it'll be a strong developmental brand, but I just don't think it'll ever reach those heights where they're selling out fifteen thousand seat arenas again. I often say this, and uh, we got the feelings for it after All Out, or as you were watching All Out back in uh, in early September. Like, there's very few shows where you go into the show, during the show, end of the show, where collectively there is an overall excitement as you as a wrestling fan. Like I felt that way a lot during the attitude era, the WCW era of professional wrestling, the Monday night wars era of professional wrestling, where it was like always this big excitement and not much of a chore as a wrestling fan. And a lot of shows feel like chores nowadays. Um, you can make a case with all due respect to AEW that maybe full gear feels like a chore because you're a fan of AEW, You just want to watch it, but you don't have the excitement that was going into it. NXT takeover for me, never ever, felt like a chore during that era of like uh, 14 to 2020, I want to say, maybe 19. Like those Barclays shows, the NXT TakeOver 25 show or 20, whenever the one that was headlined by Colin Gargano, um, Brooklyn, Dallas, you name it. It just always delivered Orlando. It was so much fun watching those shows and there were there was like the right amount of matches it was usually like four to five the matches were great length and you had those moments that dr trey's talking about where bobby Roode would be in the crowd riddle would be in the crowd keith lee would be in the crowd adam cole shows up to take out um who is it drew mcintyre yeah takes out drew mcintyre to close the show with him and bobby fish like so many great moments 
And when you look back at it, it's like, oh, my God, we're just never going to reach that part ever again. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. Uh, you, you, we're not going to watch that have those matches. Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls. Like I just, I, I feel like it's it, the chances of that happening again are very minimal. If they're able to recreate that with stars that we didn't know because they weren't on the indie scenes and the Braun Breakers and the Von Wagners of the world, more power to them. But it's it's concerning the direction of NXT 2.0 because. If it's more in line with that ECW, WWE ECW era of of WWE than it is the NXT Triple H product of NXT, it's going to be uh, very disheartening to see. So, will ever reach 1.0 in black and gold? A little bit suspect right now, folks. Um, NXT 1.0, black and gold era of NXT, whatever you want to call it, was, in my opinion, heavily influenced by Ring of Honor in today's product. Uh, today's product in general, AEW and WWE, is heavily influenced by Ring of Honor. And the Ring of Honor era I'm talking about is 02 to 2011. I said I wanted to talk about this the last couple of weeks. We have some room to grow here on it, Dr. Trey, for this week's edition of the show. So I figured I'd throw this in here, the impact of Ring of Honor on today's wrestling product. Uh, I think it was Eddie Kingston during Rampage when he was face-to-face with CM Punk mentioned a lot of the wrestlers that was influencing like the current generation of today's stars, like... Today's current uh, solidified veterans of professional wrestling, the Kingstons, the punks of the world, uh, everybody, really. And I'm not talking about like the Darbys, MJFs, all these young stars that are coming up because they've been more influenced by like uh, the later years of that generation. Like, I don't think if it was for Danielson, Punk, Joe, uh, there wouldn't be the Young Bucks, the Adam Coles, maybe even Kenny Omega. It, there was just so many amazing stars during that era of Ring of Honor. Uh, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, Chris Hero, Claudio Casagnoli, now known as Cesaro, Kevin Steen, El Generico, um, Kevin Owens, El, and, and Sami Zayn. Like, the impact Ring of Honor wrestling had on today's product from 02 to 11 to now, like, it's it's amazing. Like, I don't think there would be an AEW nowadays if it was for ROH. So when you look at ROH, and granted, I really haven't watched it in the last near 10 years, once Sinclair Broadcasting Group bought it and, and really changed the overall look and feel of ROH, I, I, I don't think there's more of an impactful wrestling promotion in the last 20 years as there was ROH. I don't know if it had that ECW feel, Dr. Trey, but it brought that Japanese hard-hitting style of professional wrestling, that strong style, those longer matches, a little bit more focus of in-ring work onto today's climate of professional wrestling and and. Uh, if this is it really for the ROH that we know and love, its impact overall is phenomenal. And um, it's it's just amazing what ROH was to accomplish, Dr. Trey. Do you feel like ROH had that impact that I feel like it did on today's wrestling product? Yeah, I, I compare the Ring of Honor impact on today's wrestling much like the ECW impact was on to the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. Um, and, and Ring of Honor, when it came along, came along at the right time where we were looking for something that was different than what we were seeing in WWE. Because, you know, you look at O2 of WWE, that was, you know, you mentioned earlier, The Rock had kind of started winding things down. We didn't have Austin. It was the Angle, Lesnar, you know, Taker era of, of, of wrestling, which was still, it was still good wrestling. But, you know, Ring of Honor came along and gave an opportunity to a lot of the smaller guys that, WWE had 
basically tried to ignore during that point. And, you know, they came along and, and blended that, you know, Japanese strong style with a little bit of the ECW and, and the ECW in the sense of occasionally you'd have that crazy match that fought all over all over the building and, and had those elements of ECW, but they also were able to get the, you know, cultivate that rabid fan base that would follow them wherever they went throughout the Northeast and the mid Atlantic. And that's really hard to emulate. And we've seen other companies try to follow that model and then not succeed. But when you look at the talent that came out of ring of honor, you mentioned them all there, you see where they're standing in wrestling today. And you're like, man, that really was a proving ground for these talents to, to, to get over. I mean, you still, you know, the names you you mentioned off, and then you look at it, it, the world we live in in wrestling now, it's crazy. The people who are on top, it's either from Ring of Honor or from TNA. It's like there are very few, quote-unquote, WWE homegrown talents, even now, that kind of populate the landscape of WWE. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're the one that got me into watching Ring of Honor back then because you're like, no, you have to check this out. It's fantastic. And, you know, our styles, our, our wrestling tastes are a little bit different, but, you know, I'm watching the stuff with, you know, Steen and Generico and the Briscoes and, you know, a little bit of harder hitting, you know, fly by the seat of your pants style wrestling. That, that's the kind of stuff I like. And Ring of Honor really brought that to the forefront. And like you said, when, once Sinclair kind of took it over, they'd have their moments, but it never really felt like it did back in the Kerry Silken days, you know, like from 02 to 2010, like you talked about. Yeah, it was a very special time for Fresh and Wrestling. You got to see guys like Kenta over here working, Homicide, Amazing Red, AJ Styles, Abyss. Um, but, I mean, you name it. They went all through ROH. And then there was like some of the, the, the guys um, that are often forgotten about that had great runs there from Jimmy Rave with the Embassy, uh, Delirious. Uh, it was Eddie Kingston had a great run. I remember okay. seeing him taking on Chris Hero at a, at a final battle. I mean, you look at some of those final battle cards in like 08, 09, and it's like an all-star show today. I think Kenny Omega worked like the opening match. Um, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly worked a dark match at uh, final battle 09 that I went to. They were working as a tag team as like Future Shock, I think they were called. And they worked a dark match. You got Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, some of the biggest wrestling stars today. That Fatal 4-Way, I think, was Claudio, which is Cesaro. Kenny Omega, I think Bison Smith may have been in there. And I feel like maybe Rhett Titus was in there as well. But it was a great, fun era of wrestling. Uh, headlined by Seth Rollins, then known as Tyler Black, taking on Austin Aries. Like, where would we be today if it wasn't – where would wrestling be today if it wasn't for some uh, for ROH and what they were doing? Owens, Rollins, I mean, you just go on and on and on for people who were on those cards. They're, they're basically in WWE and AEW today. They brought us Punk, Joe, Danielson, the Briscoes, one of the best tag teams I've ever seen, and they were always ROH to the core. So with ROH ending, they're been, they've been working Game Changer Wrestling for a little bit, but – I don't think they would end up in WWE. You add them to AEW, which they would fit right in, and that tag team division is tenfold much more amazing now. So, like I said, very sad news about ROH and, and what happens after the hiatus. What type of ROH we get? Maybe it's more of the old ROH, or maybe ROH just doesn't come back ever again as the way that we knew it um, in general. So, 
the impact is amazing. It's one of the best uh, of all time, and um, can't really can't really say more. Their impact on professional wrestling today is is amazing, and hopefully we get that somewhere down the line again, where we look back at a decade later and we say, "Oh man, could you imagine if it wasn't for AEW? Could you imagine if it wasn't for Game Changer Wrestling? Could you imagine if it wasn't for?" Uh, I don't know. There's not many indie promotions left anymore. But ROH's impact really changed the game for all professional wrestling. Uh, with that said, Dr. Trey, let's wrap up this week's edition of the show by previewing and predicting AW Full Gear, which takes place this Saturday in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Dr. Trey is currently leading the pay-per-view predictions record. I actually have to bring it up here. I don't have it down for some reason now, Dr. Trey. I'm just completely uh, losing my uh getting it together here during the show so let's take a look here what the pay-per-view prediction records is uh you are at 93 and 34 uh yours truly jeff peck because i talk a third person 90 and 37 so there's not many shows left this year dr trey i think we got full gear we have survivor series and then the rumored nxc takeover to close out the year so we only got three pay-per-views yet left and you can close it out dr trey with a big w yeah, which means I think it needs to be the uh, first time since we've been tracking this that uh, I would actually win for a year. So, um, you know, listen, I, I know me, I know myself, and I'm probably going to blow it here at the end. I am, I am the uh, Georgia Bulldogs of uh, picking professional wrestling. Oh, that's I like I like the comparison there. I hope some people understand where you're coming from. Uh, first match, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus taking on the Super Click. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks in a six-man tag team Falls Count Anywhere match. Dr. Trey, what say you? Uh, as much as I, I want to pick Christian and, and Jurassic Express, you just brought Adam Cole in. Um, and he's been good, but he, he, they need a win. So I'm going to take the Super Click to get the win here. Uh, I'm with you here. I'm going to take the super click as well. I, I don't think you bring in Adam Cole for him to take the L. And it feels like they just job out Christian Cage a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, which I think Chris is just happy that he's not retired. So I think he's sure. like, hey, I had it. I had it. You know, I won a world title, so uh, I can't really argue. Can't really argue with the guy. So he, he he got a world title run out of this. So good for him. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then next match here. <laughs> Uh, is CM Punk taking on Eddie Kingston? I'm looking forward to this one. Hopefully, uh, Eddie Kingston pushes him to the limit. Uh, I'm going to take CM Punk though to get the uh, victory. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, th- like we like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like this was not a feud I was really like excited about. I watched the promo from from was it Rampage this past Friday or it might have been from Dynamite. Um, it was pretty solid. It was, it, but you you could tell it was not a scripted promo. This was them just going to see their pants, and that's why it kind of meanders at times but uh i'm looking forward to it and, I, I, and to me the take the the they kind of gave away the spoiler where kingston goes i don't care if i win or if i lose but you're gonna know that i'm coming to kick your ass that to me tells me punk's winning because that way kingston can still look good in defeat which is kind of what eddie's job in AEW is come in there put out a fight make the guy who beat you look good uh, and move on. So he's done that with Miro. He's done the couple. You know, go back to the stuff with him and Mox and the, and the Good Brothers. I think the same thing here. This is kind of uh, that launching pad. I guess. If you're gonna launch CM Punk, this is where you jump it off because a fight with Kingston kind of gives him a little more credibility. Uh, so I'll take Punk to get the win as well. Uh, Doctor Trey, next match: Darby Allen versus MJF. What say you, Bud? Um, 
kind of torn on this one. This one's a little tricky. Um, man, I, 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 to me, I think Darby needs it more, but we need more heels in AEW. So oh, I'll take MJF. I'll take MJF because, uh, you know, slimy heels like to get the upper hand. So I'll take MJF getting the win. Uh, I'm going to take MJF as well. I feel like they want to keep riding that undefeated streak, Dr. Trey. And I think a loss here is better for the underdog, Darby Allen. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, have, I, have, I, have I missed Sting being around the last couple of weeks? He he went after Wardlow and MJF. And then um, what happened? It was like Sting and a bunch of people in like the MJF masks. We're going, and then I think it was Wardlow and Sean Spears came down and fought them off. Then Darby came from the stands and went after MJF. It was from Dynamite. Now, uh, oh, okay, the yeah, previous one, not yesterday. I know. I know when uh, Miro beat him, there was no sting in sight. I think that's what it was. No. Yeah, so yeah. Who was the what? Sting around for that. Who was it that that beat him recently when FTR got involved? Um, was that, that, or was that Orange Cassidy I'm thinking of? I think you're thinking of, um, who's after FT? That was more with Andrade. You're thinking of Cody Rhodes. Oh, okay. Okay. I was trying to think of the, yeah, okay. That's what it was. But yeah, I, I just, to me, Darby can always play the underdog. So losses don't hurt Darby as much as they hurt a guy like MJF. So MJF is my pick. So yeah, makes sense. All right. Next match here for the AW world tag team championship, the Lucha bros taking on FTR. Uh, Lucha Bros defending against the AAA World Tag Team Champions. I'm going to go with Lucha Bros, Dr. Trey. I don't think they're going to end this title reign that quickly. Yeah, and I think by giving FTR the AAA titles is kind of like their way of appeasing it for right now, so I'm taking the Lucha Bros as well. Uh, Next match here is the Inner Circle taking on Men of the Year and American Top Team, 10-man tag team, Minneapolis street fight match. I know Dr. Trey is looking forward to this one. Dr. Trey, who do you like in this one? Well, unfortunately, I think I'm taking America's top team because this just kind of feels like one of those things where it's a way for Inner Circle to take a loss without actually hurting really anybody in the group individually. Uh, I think once these rivalries start breaking apart, it's more defined. Uh, We'll see Inner Circle come on top. But right now, if you're trying to get Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page over, you kind of need to have a win in this match. So I will take uh, America's top team getting a win. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, this feud has not been doing it for me. I'll be honest. I like Dan Lambert. I think he's very good as a heel manager, but he kind of is, is a little repetitive for my liking. Um, with that said, I think I'm going to go with Inner Circle in this one, Dr. Trey. I think there would be a near riot if Inner Circle didn't win this match. So I'm going to go with Inner Circle, but I like your reasoning on Men of the Year and American Top Team because Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page need to get a W here at some point to make things right. Yep. Exactly. I just, to me, it's one of the things with it being a street fight. If they lose, they lo- they're going to lose by some tricky underhand shenanigans, which is, doesn't hurt the inner circle. Like just go back to the stadium stampede type stuff. You know that those type matches. Like whoever wins or loses, I can't even remember who wins and loses those things. I remember it's fun to watch. So I think that's why that's their attitude here. We could we could let America's top team get a win and it not really hurt the inner circle. Uh, next match, AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final. Brian Daniels is taking on Miro. I'm not really feeling this one, uh, to be honest with you. Obviously, with the way that the tournament went with, with Moxley and with real life, that's not the reason why. I just feel like I've seen Danielson and Miro wrestle. So um, I'm going to go with Brian Danielson, becoming the new number one contender, Dr. Trey. 
Yeah, I think this is kind of where I mean, because once again, on paper, when you look at it, it's like if I'm booking, if I'm AEW, if Miro wins, Miro Omega doesn't get me excited, and Miro Page doesn't get me excited, but Brian Danielson Kenny Omega does. So I'll take Danielson getting the win and winning the tournament here. Uh, next match, it is Doctor Britt Baker DMD taking on Tay Conte for the AEW Women's World Championship. We've been big fans of Tay Conte lately. Um, I think she has come a long way from her time in NXT, but this is Dr. Britt Baker's world, and we're just living in Dr. Trey. So I'm going to go with the women's champ to retain. Plus, she has two helpers. Ty has one. So uh, that, that you know, it's three to two. True. So uh, I'll take Britt Baker as well, because right now I just don't think anybody in the women's division is on her level right now. So I'll take Britt to retain. And then finally, the main event here, Kenny Omega defending the AW World Championship against Hangman Adam Page. Dr. Trey. Who walks out full gear? AW World Champ. This is hard because if you told if you had this two months ago, I think a completely different person. But like I said last week, I think they kind of blew the timing on this one. Um, so I'm taking Kenny Omega to hang on to it. Uh, although, like on paper, this should be when Hangman wins. But I think it made more sense two months ago when Hangman was really hot. I don't think he's as hot now as he was two months ago. Uh, so I take I take Kenny retaining the title. Yeah, part of me feels the same way. I would love to see this happen two months ago, but I actually think the reason behind this, which definitely did derail things, was Hangman becoming a dad. Actually, took legitimate time off, which yeah. I don't blame him there. But it's like, dude, like your momentum's getting destroyed. Uh, this was like the perfect all-out main event, and maybe what is the original plan all along as well. Um, Doctor Trey mentioned earlier on that he felt like. AW kind of tipped their cards with the Eddie Kingston CM Punk stuff based off of Kingston's promo. I think AW has tipped their hand uh, potentially on the result of this match because Dynamite is supposed to be in Norfolk, Virginia, Dr. Trey. Um, at the scope, right? And who is from that area? I have no clue. I guess Kenny throws me off because Kenny, they keep claiming North Carolina with Kenny, but, uh, I think ha- Hangman's from Norfolk, yeah. Hangman is from Halifax, Virginia. So I feel like this could be a homecoming, Dr. Trey. Uh, I feel like this may be Paige's time, which I wouldn't have figured. I would have gone with Kenny Omega as well, but I'm like, man, they're going to be in Norfolk right after full gear? I wonder if they're putting the strap on Hangman and Page. Like, I'm all for it, but the buildup, as Dr. Trey pointed out, wasn't what we thought it was over the summer. So I'm going to go with Hangman and Page to become the new AEW World Champion. We will recap and review Full Gear on November 18th, along with uh, previewing and predicting WWE Survivor Series on next week's show. If they announced any matches on Dynamite this past week, we will have to uh, not predict those matches and, of course, pick it back up with a recap on next week's edition of the show. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at TheBowerShow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Star Realto Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket League Championship Wrestling. They just had a really big show uh, last uh, this past Saturday night. 
Uh, so all the pictures and videos will be up on our Facebook page once we get that up and going. Uh, and also be able to look out for, for uh, Valderic Games. That's the uh, gaming company I mentioned uh, on last week's show that will feature yours truly inside a video game simulator uh, for the first time. So uh, you can see this handsome mug and pick them to be the manager of your favorite independent wrestler of your favorite independent wrestling promotion once this game gets released. So uh, I am going to be posting the links up there on our Facebook page as well. Now, do you have any like say in how you look in the game? Not yet. I don't know yet. They're still in the early stages of it because I used the promo picture that I had on my Facebook page that I didn't like it because it had me in a cowboy hat. Like I really just wore that for <laughs> one time, and I'm like, that's not how I usually look. So I am going to reach out to the uh, the game developer and be like, hey, it's that picture over to one that actually looks more like my normal uh, wrestling attire. So, uh, but like Rocket City will be a natural promotion inside the game as well most as uh, most of a lot of the other independent wrestling companies are there as well so it's kind of cool to actually if you wanted to book a Rocket City show you could actually do that or you could do whatever promotion you do because this guy I think right now over 40 pro- different promotions in the game signed up already so uh, it's going to be pretty cool once it gets out there as long as, uh, as long as you know nobody throws a tantrum and wants their licensing to right right away True, true. We, we don't want that to happen. Um, I think the one I used to always play was like Fed Simulator back in the yeah, early I days. I remember that one as well, yeah. It, it, it's, it's kind of cool that someone's actually bringing it up and actually using some real-life people and not just, hey, yeah, it's just WWE and WCW and guys. No, no, this is going to be real independent wrestlers throughout the country. And it's also a good way for people to start learning about different independent wrestlers that are out there, so... When they matriculate through the independent world into the mainstream world, you kind of have a background of who they are. So there you go. Support all the great things that support this very podcast and spread the word about the Still Realtor Show. Once again, we'll be back next week. Recap and review of AW Full Gear, preview predictions at WWE Survivor Series, and in two weeks, Thanksgiving special, WWE Survivor Series recap and review, and our holiday schedule revealed. So until next week, happy Veterans Day. Thank you, veterans. For Dr. Trey, I'm Jeff Pack. This is the Still Realtor Show. They're taking school spirit The fun's just getting started To the max This is gonna be awesome Saved by the Bell, new season streaming now Let's do this, baby Only on Peacock Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started